Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. How you doing? Uh, you'll have to forgive my sound quality in this episode. Uh, I've had a little bit of a technical difficulty. But today, we are talking about the book Encounters with Enoch Coffin by Willem Pugmire and Jeffrey Thomas. Uh, we have uh, we've had this on the queue for a little while. I've been trying to get you to read this book for two years. That's right. This was a Yuletide gift from Steve a couple years ago, and we've been trying to work it into the show. Um, and we finally got it into the queue to do uh, for this episode. And this episode was preceded by uh, the sudden and untimely death of Willem Pugmire on the 26th of March. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a blow to everyone. It was kind of a blow to everyone. Um, Willem was was a singular talent, had a beautiful voice, and uh, was extremely skilled as as a writer. Yeah, and and by all accounts, I didn't know him personally, but by all accounts, a fantastic human being. Yeah, he was beloved by all. Um, he was the type of person who did not let um, petty arguments stand in the way of his correspondence and friendships. So um, he was definitely like a, the gap bridger between the old guard and the new weird and all that great stuff. So, um, you know, just, just a, a great soul, a kind, gentle guy is from what I understand. Um, I didn't know him personally either. Uh, you know, I followed him on Facebook and we might've interacted once or twice. So, but you know, by all accounts, um, the, the man is was a legend. Yes, just as a human being, not only as a writer. Correct, both a legendary artist and a legendary person. You don't get that mix too often. No, usually most people are great artists and shit human beings. So, what started out as you know us reading just a good book uh, has kind of rapidly developed into a part one of a two-part tribute uh, to Willem. Right. So, Godspeed to Willem. And maybe we'll see you on the other side of the Great Gulf. Maybe. Uh, Enoch Coffin is... This is a, a, a series of short tales written in alternating uh, pattern by Willem and Jeffrey Thomas. Mostly alternating. Mostly alternating. There's a couple of spots where you get a twofer from one or the other. And and, and it's weird because at the beginning of this novel or, you know, this piece, each of the two writers had a very distinct voice and style. Mm -hmm. And by the time you reach the end of the thing, um, it, there's ways you can tell who wrote what. But the uh, styles have somewhat converged. Mm -hmm. It's it's very strange how the synergy in this book works. Yes, yeah, and and I, I found that even even in the beginning, both authors um, adapted their personal styles a little bit to fit in with each other. Um, Willem is you know very poetic in style, very. Uh, fluid and and jeffrey uh tends to be like very introspective and and 
kind of gritty, to be honest with you. And it's kind of interesting how both of them kind of met in the middle. So by the time you were halfway, three quarters of the way through this book, it was almost as if you could not determine who wrote what unless you were actually paying attention. Right. Um, the other interesting thing about this book is that uh, it starts you, – you come to it thinking that it's going to be a um, – you know, just a – collection of alternating stories about this single character but really what it turns out to be is an episodic novel um where one story is builds upon the last and there is a continuity between these stories yes there definitely is but it's interesting because i i, I found an interview with uh jeffrey thomas online it was actually on his youtube page um mm -hmm. he talks a little bit about um what went into making this book and he he claims that um, while it's episodic, it is not chronological. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is more for his uh, vignettes than Willem's. Um, I think Pugmire's definitely you have events that happen and are referenced later on in the stories. Um, but according to Jeffrey that um they're not chronological and they could be almost read out of sequence and i could see that with the, with most of the stories that 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 he wrote mm -hmm. um where where they are kind of um they're 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 definitely the same character and they have this the same general um uh uh, qualities about them mm -hmm. and and i could see that with with the exception no really all of jeffrey's are like that because he do, you don't have events affecting other events in his right um but the events that happen in jeffrey's stories turn up as plot points in some of uh the later pugmire stories Mm -hmm. And Pugmire stories definitely have more of a, a chronological flow to them. Right. Right. You definitely get a, a sense of a complete narrative arc for uh, Enoch Coffin through Pugmire stories. Right. And it's it's actually it's cool because it, it because of the way um, Pugmire stories flow and and uh, JT's are interwoven in there it almost serves as like um like flashbacks mm -hmm. now you were saying before we uh hit the record button that this book is probably one of the greatest tributes to lovecraft ever oh my god it it <laughs> it really is <sighs> let me pause for a second they take events that happened in the Lovecraft timeline, um, such as Dun you know, the Dunwich Horror, mm -hmm. um, the the um, sacking of Innsmouth, mm -hmm. um, you know, the 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 disappearance of the terrible old man or the transcendence of the terrible old man, um, and and the events of the festival, mm -hmm. just stuff that that happens in and around New England. It's it's the uh, it's the Lovecraft country events more yeah. or less that we're talking about um and each of these stories takes on um one of those 
those seminal Lovecraft stories and modernizes it and uh, references it and has the same kind, the same settings, uh, maybe even some of the, a few of the same characters. Um, and, and just is a loving tribute to Lovecraft. Pardon me. That sounded just lame, but it, it, you could tell, you could tell that both these authors um, love that, that old weird tale Lovecraft stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it isn't pastiche. Um, because neither of them are trying to sound like Lovecraft, um, and neither of them are trying to rewrite these stories. They are taking these stories as events that happened and going um, 80, uh, probably 100 years in the future, yeah, 80, 90 years in the future, and telling uh, tales about these places uh, where, uh, where these events happened. And the after, and like the out the far reaching aftermath of, of some of these events. So Dunwich still is Dunwich, and the Dunwich horror happened, and and the people who live there who are in the know still do their thing. They still dance on Sentinel Hill. Mm -hmm. So this is this is a new take on it, and Enoch Coffin, the, the main character, uh, is there. Mm -hmm. And you also have the the uh, the sacking of Innsmouth, as you as you mentioned earlier, um, having an effect. And, and of of that event, um, the other thing that I was noticed while reading this is that it also had kind of that um, Robert. Chambers uh, King and Yellow vibe in that most of the protagonists are in the art scene uh, rather than the Lovecraftian protagonist who is a scholar. Right. Uh, Enoch Coffin is himself a bit of a, a bit of a hedonist, um, but I think his particular drug of choice is the occult. Right. Yeah. He he as a character isn't a full blown um, wizard. He is someone who knows enough to get him in trouble. <laughs> he's a petty dabbler because he really hates to put on airs. He, yeah, he's kind of like a uh, he's kind of like John Constantine. If John Constantine knew a little bit less than he does, mm -hmm. <laughs> he does. I, I was reading that, and it does have this kind of um, hellblazer kind of thing going on. <laughs> he like walks into a situation, it blows up in his face, and he's like, "Shit!" <laughs> and he's he's like cool, but he's not quite as cool as he thinks he is. Constantly, right, right, exactly. And and yeah, I just kind of figured, you know. And it reads more than horror stories; it really reads like uh, paranormal mysteries of, of such. Um, it has the weird tale structure. But Enoch Coffin seems to be more of a paranormal investigator because he's a little more proactive, I suppose. He knows what's happening. He knows the history. He knows how these things are happening. He knows what the monster is. You know, he's he's that Call of Cthulhu character um, that's been around a couple of campaigns. He right. survived masks. He survived Horror on the Orient Express. He's got a 10% 
Cthulhu mythos knowledge and thinks he knows everything. Right. Well, he's got, he me. I think, I think, uh, Enoch can maybe, maybe up to like 20% now. Um, cause, cause he certainly has enough experience to make the role when he needs to make the role. Right. Um, so he get yeah, he gets into a lot of, a lot of shit. And I think, um, Pugmire, um, puts him more through the ringer than Thomas does. Mm-hmm. Um, Pugmire definitely has him encountering these vast cosmic entities and um, coming away with with visible and psych- psychic and spiritual scars. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and, and there's an arc going on that, and there's definitely a story being told through that. Whereas the the Jeffrey Thomas stories or are more, um, I guess, one shot vignettes where. Um, whoever is dealing with with um with with coffin ends up on the short with the short end of the stick right uh, um through through their own machinations though um it's not like coffin is vicious or evil um mm-hmm. he more or less just wants to be left alone and when people start screwing with him he lets nature take its course mm-hmm. <laughs> right or, or the supernatural take its course um, one of my particular favorites was toward the end of the book um, where Coffin was uh, trying to shake off the comparison to Pikmin. Well, it's funny because when I first saw this book, um, that is really the first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at the cover, and the cover of this book shows um, Coffin painting, a huge painting. Um, there is like some skeletal spine or centipede thing um, that is in the painting and comes out of the painting and wraps itself around him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's standing in like a mystic circle with candles and old Gothic um, accoutrement. Right. So and it, a it bottle of booze, apparently. Right. I mean, it definitely, but it's not a, it's in a decanter. So it oh. definitely has that, that, um, Pikmin-ish kind of um, aesthetic to it, uh, but once you start reading it, you realize that that Robert Upton Pikmin and Enoch Kaufman, Kaufman, I just made him Jewish. Coffin. Uh, <laughs> Enoch uh, Kaufman was a was a writer for Saturday Night Live back he, in the old days. He was also a rabbi. He was a moyle. He was a mystic moil, and when he snipped you, if you like, if you uh, said the wrong prayer, or didn't show up on Friday nights. There was some uh, bad bad stuff happened to you, Johnson. Right. But um, yeah, this is this is a very good book, um, and and unlike some of some of the other Lovecraft attempts to you know tribute to Lovecraft or even even um, uh, you know write sequels, I guess you want to call it, either spiritual successors or direct sequels to the original Lovecraft stories. Um, they, it gives you this you know, this bleakness that everybody wants to go out of their way to make it all bleak and, no, there were things out there we don't understand. Well, not everyone. Um, and Rollick, but but Rollick doesn't get very bleak often. No, bleak. No, he he tends to uh, try to capture the pulp adventure aspect, particularly yeah. in in the um, 
the uh, reanimators series that he does makes it more of an invent adventure and a little bit faster paced in in a coffin all of this lovecraftian all of this uh yog sothothery uh is very normal i mean you don't really get this outsider's perspective people coming into it because in a coffin himself is not an outsider investigating this he's he's aware of it well not completely an outsider he's just enough of an outsider that he's a fine protagonist for those of us who who are as readers in the same situation mm -hmm. those of us who have read all this stuff and know about it but aren't practicing wizards right he's he's genre savvy and, and, right he's, he's just enough genre savvy that if you're reading this he makes a great uh point of view for you to go in and get things explained to you um, and have assumptions because when they talk about Innsmouth, the first thing that comes to your mind is, you know, the shadow over Innsmouth. Mm -hmm. and, and when they talk about, um, I forgot what they called it, the chase or whatever the ceremony was, mm -hmm. um, where you, you knew what that wasn't commemorating. Um, Right, they picked their Olmstead and then chased yeah, him. You, knew, you knew what that meant. You know who Olmstead was, and and you know what that entails. Mm -hmm. You know, and when it's explained to you, it isn't a long explanation because you already know. Same thing with Dunwich. When they mentioned the horror, you know what the Dunwich horror was. Uh, the surge, the surge. There you go. So it, he's, it's great for that because it, they don't have to, to talk dumb to you. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to, you know, they only have to explain what needs to be explained. And that's the bits that are the original parts of the story. Right. Right, exactly. And then the rest of it is just fresh material that, that, not, that builds on the original story. Yeah, it, and it's it's great because you know you have this assumption that um, that the Lovecraft stuff existed, mm -hmm. and it doesn't exist in some sort of vacuum, mm -hmm. and it is modernized enough so you have two uh, writers who are are known for their style, right? And their styles ha are nothing like Lovecraft style, mm -hmm. and and one of the things that that turns me off to a lot of pastiche and a lot of um, of of just the mimicry is that mimicry is no mm -hmm. one is writing in their own style they're trying so hard to sound like lovecraft you can have a really cool um story mm -hmm. but you can ruin it by trying to imitate um these older authors mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and really, this is how modern weird fiction should be done. It should build off of what came before it rather than trying to ape it. And and both of these writers, Pugmire and Thomas, uh, get that point, and they, they successfully build on the mythos rather than simply just copying tropes. Right, and neither of them do this, this uh that coy thing where it's like a wink and a nod to the mythos mm -hmm. but it's but you know but that's not really how it happened kind of thing you know what i'm saying right 
which is fine in in and of itself, but not for stories like this. Not when you're directly referencing stuff like that. Right. Right. I would say I would say Enoch Coffin. Uh, a lot of these stories are third person, so you know Enoch Coffin. I I would say is is a reliable narrator. He might not tell you everything, <laughs> but he tells you just enough. You get just enough to know that that he mostly knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and and the and it's cool because like the un- indescribable stuff mm-hmm. um, doesn't really get described. Right. It doesn't get described. You know, you get you get vague uh, intimations at it, and then you know that's it. Right, and and you use you know you use your context clues. Right. <laughs> when he gets attacked by a thing in Dunwich, there's a couple of, of assumptions you make, and you're like, oh wow, he just got fucked up by Yog Sofoth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. because you know everyone's read this stuff. Right. And and he's no shrieking violet either, man. Enoch Coffin just keeps coming back for more. No, I mean he's he's like he's obsessed. You know, he is a painter, a sculptor, an artist who uses um you know the occult, the mythos, if you will, um, in his art, not only as themes, but um there's a story in there by um Jeffrey Thomas called was it ecstasy and aberration? No, every exquisite thing, I think. Yeah. Um, where he, he uh, finds the essential salts of resurrected things mm-hmm. and adds them to his uh, to his oils for that extra s- special um, je ne sais quoi for his paintings. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's like down, like there's a, a, another story where uh, he is trying to incorporate the color out of space. Yes, into, I really enjoyed that story. <laughs> into uh, into his, his art, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out a way to incorporate this impossible, it's called the impossible color, uh, mm-hmm. this impossible color, how to get it into his pigments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How to put it in a painting. And there's, and it, it the interesting part about that is there's, there's also that contrast between the digital artist and the old school painter. Uh, both of them are trying to do the same thing, and it becomes this kind of friendly, friendly competition uh, and kind of a wizard's duel, right? Of sorts, you know, to you know find this color and and create this color and make it part of their art, and you know the first one who gets to do it wins. Right, and, and it's mean, primarily bragging rights that they win. Yeah, well, unfortunately, one of them did win. <laughs> yep, <laughs> um, and that but, was really interesting. And 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 Pugmire's stories have uh, just kind of like gothic feel to them. Yes, as well. Well, Pugmire's stories are the ones where, um, with the exception of the first and the last story. Mm-hmm. Uh, take place in Lovecraft country directly. Um, these are the stories that take place in Dunwich, Kingsport, Arkham, Innsmouth, like mm-hmm. places that exist in Lovecraft country. Um, the first story takes place in Providence and the last takes place in um, Pugmire's own Susquehanna Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Thomas, on the other hand, tackles the real world locations 
at like Boston, the north end of Boston, uh, Brookline, uh, Salem, mm-hmm. uh, Bar Harbor, like yep. real places. And it's great because it's like real places that I go every day. Mm-hmm. Super vivid. When he's talking about the north end um, I and, and Italian restaurants, I know where he where he is during this you know mm-hmm. when he's in brookline downtown brookline i know where downtown brookline is i've been there right so it, it's you know it i don't know if the same effect is it would have on somebody who who it's not their everyday um setting mm. i'll ask you <laughs> um not your I, I don't i don't think yeah it's it's not like it's not like since i don't know a lot of these places i've never been to salem um, you know, the, the cosmic horror that is Logan international airport, um, is the most stomping around in Boston. I've done. <laughs> Chowder. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a scene in Providence, which, you know, I'm kind of familiar with Providence, but, um, yeah, all, all in all though, it, it, it combines to make this, this seamless, kind of almost a road novel of because he's always moving. There's always this sense of movement going on, but even between the stories that, you know, he's, he's over here and he's over here and he's always, he's kind of jet setting for, for a guy who really doesn't, hasn't traveled outside of new England for the course of this book. Well, he does at the end. Right. He goes over to the other side of the country. Uh, Sesquil Valley in the Pacific Northwest, I believe. Yeah. Uh, or is it? Well, it's kind of in between. <laughs> we'll talk about that next time. Um, yeah, it does have this kind of road novel kind of feel as as he's traveling around. And Enoch Coffin is the type of uh, artist who lives the lifestyle that anyone in a creative field uh, in, in in the what the quote unquote fine arts, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or a writer, poet, you know, wants to live. Yeah, he's definitely quote unquote bohemian. Yeah, and he's he's constantly traveling and meeting new people and 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 doing this occasionally doing this kind of mercenary, uh, you know, uh, commission work and stuff like that. But he's always he's always at really there to to build up something new experience or for his own projects. Yes. And and he gets to do this jet setting lifestyle where he's always, you know, either at home working or off on some grand adventure. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is certainly the type of lifestyle I would lead had I the opportunity. Right. If if you were uh, a paid artist. Mm-hmm. Going on book tours and doing random commission work for like for for chapbook author, right? Yeah, yeah, he gets like twenty thousand dollars to do a portrait for like some unknown writer's book. Yeah, it's it's great. great. (laughs) But you know, he also living the dream, right? He's living the dream. He's also the man on the scene too, because he's always you know, chilling with other painters or, you know, that, that whole like creative circle where writers and painters and things, the only thing that's missing really, there are no musicians in this book. Right. Well, that's because musicians, um, abhor artists. 
<laughs> what do you call the guy that uh, hangs out with the band? <laughs> the drummer. But all in all, this is an excellent book, and um, <laughs> it's an excellent book, and you should go out and pick it up immediately. Uh, we'll have a link in the description. That's really good. It was it was um, two weeks ago. It was on special for Amazon, mm -hmm. um, and I know Amazon is offering some of Pugmire's stuff discounted or free. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, I don't think you can go wrong, uh, but if you, if you kind of, if you haven't read any Pugmire before, this is a really good, um, jumping on point just because the stories are really accessible and they are, um, familiar to you. They will be mm -hmm. familiar because, you know, you are, once again, you're solidly in Lovecraft country. Yes. And that about wraps it up for Encounters with Enoch Coffin, uh, Willem Pugmire, and Jeffrey Thomas. And it's from Dark Regions Press. It is from Dark Regions Press. Uh, there will be a link in the description so you can pick it up and check it out. There's if you actually watch cameras, so there's Enoch Coffin right there. Right. If you get it as a um, as a physical book. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are illustrations that are not yes. present in the ebook. Oh, so yeah, definitely pick this one up as a physical book. Yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll give you a link to both because obviously the, um, the the book is what's important, not not so much the illustrations, though they are good illustrations. I'm not going to downplay them, but um, you know, depending on your budget or That's your preferred right. mode of um, reading. That's right. But I'm going to recommend this one particularly in a physical form. Um, so, yep, that's it for this week. Uh, next week, we will be uh, back into tribute to Willem Pugmire uh, with another one of ye old blasphemous tomes, Strange Dark One. Which apparently is solidly in Susquehanna Valley. So, Yep, and it is actually one of one of my particular favorites in the genre. So, until next time, keep 30, keep 30 look points. Keep 30